Chapter 3 The Oasis of Anxiety Just when the caterpillar thought the world was ending, he turned into a butterfly. Anonymous Proverb I had zero friends at my new school, but since I'd been expelled from my old one and there were only two middle schools in my hometown of Livermore, California, there was nowhere else to go. Unfortunately, my criminal reputation preceded me there. I could feel everyone's eyes following me as I walked the halls, and I could tell they all thought I was some kind of perv. I felt shut out and alone. As my bitterness, anger, and resentment grew, my feelings eventually exploded into a nuclear cloud of hatred. I was tempted to drop out of school. The only reason I didn't was because I needed the world to know that I was innocent, and dropping out of school would have been like surrendering to the system with a giant white flag. I was now a bona fide fighter. I went into survival mode. I decided that if people didn't like me because I wasn't like them, then fuck them. I didn't want to be like them anyway. In fact, I didn't want to be like anyone. I just wanted to be me, to live my life, to do my own thing, and do it my way. That called for making some very tough decisions, like quitting team sports. Quitting baseball and soccer was hard because I was damn good at them. I even had dreams of turning pro, but after the incident, everything was different. My teammates didn't seem to look at me the way they used to. This change in atmosphere totally sucked the joy out of playing. After a while, quitting became a no-brainer. And that was it. I was done. When I finally graduated middle school, I hoped to start fresh in my new high school, but that proved impossible. So even though years had passed, and even though the charges had been dropped, I was still seen as an ex-con or some kind of criminal. I may have been walking down new hallways, but I felt the same old stares and heard the same old whispers behind my back. I was a marked man. And it wasn't just the students who were giving me shit. My teachers gave me attitude too. I could tell they didn't trust me. The thing was, I didn't trust them either. Thanks to the living hell my former vice principal put me through, I'd lost faith in the trustworthiness of adults in positions of power. So we regarded one another with mutual suspicion. Predictably, my grades suffered. But I didn't really give a shit. Since I knew that teachers didn't have a clue about the real me, I wasn't going to let my grades define who I was to them, to me, or to anyone else. Oasis That's when I began to find my tribe. They appeared like an oasis in the middle of the Death Valley Desert that was high school. Other kids like me, who also questioned authority, who not only didn't judge me based on what they knew of my past, but who actually accepted me just as I was, no questions asked. And I loved being part of that crew. We were the outsiders. The rebels. The punks. Literally. Because when I was 16, we started a punk band. There were four of us, and we had no idea how to play music, but we didn't let that stop us. We went out, bought some used equipment, set up in my mom's garage, and started playing. Raw punk rock music is not hard to play, so we learned quickly. We called ourselves BHT, because every punk band at the time had a three-letter name. I played guitar. All four chords, thank you very much, and we practiced nearly every day for years. We were so loud we could be heard half a mile away. Needless to say, our neighbors hated us, but we actually got pretty good, at least in our minds. After a while, we started playing parties and live shows at bars and nightclubs in the Bay Area. We played the Gilman Street Project, which was an iconic punk venue in Berkeley, California. We even made a demo tape at a recording studio and sold cassette tapes at shows and via mail. After our original singer quit, we reformed under a new name, Anxiety. Fitting, right?
I took over the lead vocals, if you can call it that, played guitar, and our sound shifted from punk to a punk metal hybrid. We continued playing small venues and making and selling demos. Our music was loud, angry, and aggressive, and our lyrics were defined by a general hatred of authority. They were often about fighting against both the man and the machine, and there was usually a running theme that would elicit my now ever-present, question-everything mentality. Here's a sampling from our song Greed Kills, written in 1988. Capitalist minds meet on the 20th story. We're starting below, you don't seem to worry. Get ahead of the next guy, the name of your game. Power and profit, your story's all the same. The foul stench of money fills the air as you laugh and joke about others' despair. And you show off your fortune with material flaunts as you step on the middle class to get what you want. Will you make me sick with your monetary display? In your world, success comes to those who can pay. So far you've gotten by with your self-centered thrills, but you'll be dead before you realize. Greed kills. Reading those lyrics now, you might think that my former self would be horrified at the idea of his future self becoming a successful businessman, but I would disagree. I actually think he would be as proud of me as I am of him, because the sentiments expressed in that song still hold as true for me today. I'll say it again, I may be pro-capitalism, but that doesn't make me pro-douchebag. I've never believed in exploiting others for profit or in crushing the little guy in order to make it. That sort of shit doesn't make you a big man, just a giant asshole. Being in the band was a cool time for me. We had the respect of the punk rock counterculture, at least in our hometown, and I was proud of us and the work we were doing. We had dreams of making it big, of course, although few punk bands actually do. I recall getting paid just enough after one particular show that each of us had the money to buy a soda, chips, and gas for the van. Still, it felt amazing that someone wanted to pay us actual money to play the music that we created. I don't really know what happened at the end, but after about five years, we decided to break up the band. Maybe some of us started getting real jobs or something crazy like that. Had we stuck with it, though, and continued playing and evolving our sound, I believe we could have made it. To this day, we get emails from underground punk rock aficionados telling us how they've been listening to our music for years and still love it. And every once in a while, I'll pick up the phone and shoot the shit with a couple of my former bandmates and we'll reminisce about the old days. But I don't regret moving on. Don't get me wrong, getting to make and perform my own music was just what I needed at the time. It was both a creative, cathartic outlet and a confidence-building early business venture. I look back on it with fondness and pride. But when I look back, I don't stay there. We can't undo the past. Wallowing in all the should-haves and if-onlys is nothing more than a huge time suck. The only way to repair the past is to move forward with your life and make smarter choices in the future. What about you? So, what about you? What were your teen years like? How did your experiences then help shape you into the person you are today? The lessons we learned back then weren't always taught in a classroom. They could even sometimes come disguised as negative or unfortunate events. In my case, although the whole experience was admittedly very traumatic, looking back on those years now, I don't think I would change one thing about my time in middle school or high school, even if I could. Well, maybe the part about my whole family having to suffer through them. My mom, dad, and brothers had to deal with a lot of backlash from being seen as the relatives of a rapist. The stress I endured from being falsely accused of a crime and having my reputation ruined before it had even fully formed was a lot to take for a kid my age. It forever changed me. But I think it changed me for the better. 
Looking back, I can appreciate how the experience strengthened my endurance, self-reliance, and perception, all qualities that would help me both to get past failures and to succeed later in my life. And who knows, had I not gone through such a trying period of injustice, I might have turned out to be a big wuss instead. Or at least have ended up working for someone else my entire life and never getting to experience the rewards of being my own boss and making it on my own. There are two takeaways from this story that I recommend you reflect on. The first is, who is your tribe? A real turning point for me when I was struggling and feeling all alone was finding my posse. Feeling accepted is important at any age, of course, and it's a major necessity in high school. However, no matter what stage in life you are in, finding a community to welcome and not judge you is essential to your success. The members of your tribe are a rich resource for your personal and professional needs. In that pool, you can find lifelong friends, work opportunities, financial assistance, and even future spouses. Even if you're more of an independent Lone Ranger type who likes to do things your way, cough, cough, you will find that you still need a community of some kind to help you succeed. So where can you find your tribe? Communities like clothes come in all forms, sizes, and styles. Also like clothes, you will find that some fit better than others. Take a good look at the different groups of people in your life childhood friends, classmates, co-workers, etc. Tribes can also be found in political parties, fandoms, competitive duck herding competitions, art clubs, rock bands, sports teams, you name it. And now, with the advantages of digital technology, you can belong to a tribe without having to share the same physical space. If you don't already belong to a tribe, it would be a good idea to look for or even create one yourself. You will know that your tribe is your tribe because they accept you for who you are. That's the whole point and beauty of belonging to one. Authenticity is key. Brainstorm a pool of different places, people, and ways from which you can find your tribe or extend the one you already have. You can start by adding me to your tribe. Go to chrispatrick.net and let's connect. No judgment here, my friend. And this leads me to the second takeaway from this chapter. What is your outlet? When I quit team sports, I left a tribe where I thought I would always be welcome one that would afford me a lifetime membership, until I found that my membership had been revoked. Without that outlet to pour all the energy I had stockpiled from being healthy, young, and active, but also angry, frustrated, and restless, I had to find an alternative. Luckily, I found something truly alternative, punk rock music. And the work of writing the songs, rehearsing and performing them, and even arranging the booking and travel for the gigs kept me quite busy. My mind and body were engaged, my creativity was stimulated, and I learned how to make deals and deliver on my word as promised. I'm still unpacking all the things I learned from being in a punk band. It was a gift that keeps on giving, part hobby, part passion, part business practice training. Having some kind of outlet is essential not just to enjoy success in business, but to being a success in life. That's why the outlet doesn't have to be directly related to your business goals for it to help you to succeed in them. As in the case of Anne, a woman I know who made a pledge to herself to run at least two miles every day, first thing in the morning. She's kept that promise for three years running, literally. Without that outlet, she claims that she would be completely unable to adequately parent her four children, execute her job as a midwife, or continue her studies to become a registered nurse. The outlet of your choosing, like your tribe, can come in many forms. Maybe you're someone who unwinds at the end of the day by knitting especially after you discover that it not only is fun, but that it also relaxes the body, clears the mind, and often results in something beautiful and useful, like a hat, a blanket, or a sweater for your pet ferret. Do you have an outlet? Do you need to find one? 
Below is a list of different creative hobbies and recreational and or educational activities you might want to consider taking up that will enhance your life and provide an outlet for you in times of need. Circle the ones that sound the most interesting to you and then give one a try in the next week or so. Many online classes are available, so if anything below intrigues you, don't hesitate to investigate your options. Root for your local sports team. Take a cooking class. Learn a style of dance. Start journaling. Take a martial arts class. Try your hand at writing a novel. Write a how-to on something you have expertise in. Learn to play an instrument. Join a gym. Start a band and make some music. Try writing poetry. Join a prayer or meditation group. Buy a box of crayons and a coloring book. Take a decluttering course. Take an art class or just draw on your own. Learn interior design. Fake your own death. Build a time machine. You never know where an outlet can lead. For instance, I found myself needing a new outlet for myself when anxiety disbanded. Skateboarding neatly filled that hole for me because I was already doing it and there were no teams to join. And skateboarding led to snowboarding. And snowboarding led to three big turning points in my life. A business, a funeral, and a wedding.